Hello and welcome to another live edition of The Social Club brought to you by tvsportsblog.com. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu. And on this edition, I'm going to be joined by the panel to make our Premier League predictions ahead of the new season. I'm sure you're going to disagree with loads of them. You might even agree with some of them. Get involved in the live chat as well. We've got plenty to come for you tonight. Hopefully lots of laughs and hopefully some sound predictions. Hello and welcome back to The Social Club, our general Premier League show. And I'm delighted to be joined by the regular panel of Mr. Simon Alavi and Dan DeLuca. Simon, how you doing, mate? I'm good, thank you, sir. My Sofa Sports News original T-shirt many years ago. Remembering the old days, the good old days. (laughs) Dan DeLuca looking very uh, sharp in your Italy shirt and your flashy haircut. I'm impressed. Yeah, well, Italy had a good result last night for the first time since this shirt was shirt was released. So I thought, you know, <clears throat> I thought I'd, yeah. I thought I'd wheel it out. He, he thought he'd make an effort. Yeah, Italy played really, really well last night. I, I quite enjoyed watching that. I've got to be honest. Um, before we get into it, we've got to do a little bit of a cheers um, for for Mr. Simon Alavi because since the last time he was on the show, he's become a dad again. So congratulations <laughs> uh, to cheers. Mr. Alavi. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, man. <laughs> Congratulations. And, so, uh, I'm sure. So that, that's, that, that's an espresso. <laughs> <laughs> great stuff. Great stuff. Named, named after your brother. Named after my brother. That's it. Hopefully, he's an Arsenal fan as well. We're working on it. We're working on it. Um, I want to say a big thank you to tvsportsblog.com, who are, of course, our sponsors for this show. Uh, without their support, We wouldn't have been able to do half the things that we've done over the last uh, year or so. So a massive thank you uh, to John Wright and the team over there. Um, Thank you for all your continued support. And thank you to everyone who's tuned in live as well, because we've had some incredible numbers on the live shows lately. Um, And we've seen the subscriber count go through the roof. And and it's just been amazing. It's been a really good uh, few months or so. So a big thank you to every single one of you guys as well. And if you're listening to this back on playback as well, or uh, via um, the podcast platforms as well. Right, let's get down to business. And of course, as I said right at the top of the show, this is our Premier League predictions show. There's so much to try and predict. And and as I said right at the top, I'm sure there are bound to be some ridiculous predictions. I'm sure there are going to be some pretty good shouts. And before he mentions it, De Luca, for example, tipped Bournemouth to go down this season. And uh, what a shout that was. I don't think many people... Saw that one coming. So uh, congrats to Luca, which leads me on to the bottom three. Let's start from the bottom three. And Luca, I want to know your bottom three. And briefly, because obviously we've got quite a bit to get through. Why have you picked those three teams? OK, uh, Fulham. Because they're, they're rubbish. Um <laughs> They had to, you know, they, they didn't get out of the championship with any kind of any kind of confidence, really. They're all over the place. They needed Brentford to lose about four games. So I, I don't see enough in Fulham, really, to um to to stay up. Um, I am going to say that um, Leeds, Leeds United are going to go down as well. 
Big shout. Um, I think it's a bit. I think it's a big shout. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to tip him to stay up because of the size of the club, um, and also the manager. But I, I, I don't really think that's enough. I've not seen that many, that many shrewd purchases, and I think the occasion is going to be a little bit too big for him. Like Aston Villa did worse than expectations, and they only just stayed up. I think it's going to be too big for him. Um, and I'm actually going to tip Brighton to go down this season. Um, as well for, um, mm. for, for similar reasons I, I think um, I think you know they're not really improving over the last couple of years at all so they'll be my outside tip to go my outside tip to go down from the established um, the establishment if you like I think they've got some goals in, in the squad I don't want to upset Arsenal fans by saying nil, nil Mopai but you know you can chip him with a goal but I think you've got the likes of Lewis Dunk who, who probably will be upset he hasn't had a big move and I don't think they're going to have that same sort of um cohesion at the back that have got them out of trouble. So I'm going to say Fulham, Leeds and Brighton. Um, and I'll even say, I'll even say in that order. Okay. Interesting stuff. So Fulham, Brighton and Leeds are, well, Fulham, Leeds and then Brighton, I should say, is Dan DeLuca's uh, bottom three. He's given you his reasons. Let us know what you think in the comments section as well. This is the opportunity for you guys to put your bottom threes as well in the live chat and we'll pick out some of those uh, once we finish this particular segment. Alavi, let's have your bottom three and the reasons why. Uh, I've only agreed with one of Dan's. I very, very, very nearly chose... Um, Brighton. So I, I do agree, especially with what he said in terms of the cohesion, but I didn't go with them in the end. I went Fulham as the one I agree with Dan. Um, you know, Scott Parker said he's not going to do what they did last time, which was the sort of 100 million, um, you know, blanket spend when they got up. Um, I just feel that if Mitrovic gets injured, they're in real, real trouble. Um, a lot's probably expected of, you know, Seri and Anguiz and, and I don't think they can deliver. You know, I think Scott Parker's trying to be shrewd in the transfer market, but almost too shrewd. You know, he's signing players like Robinson for 1.5 million from Wigan as cover, you know. And actually, I know it didn't work last time when they spent that much money, but times have changed. And that doesn't mean that you don't then need to go and spend another 50, 100 million. Actually, they do need to go and spend that much. Um, but he's not doing it based on the fact that it wrong last time. And sometimes you just have to accept that a tactic that worked last time may actually work this time. So I'll go for them. Um, the other one I'm going to go for is West Brom. I wouldn't say there's a particular reason bar the fact that I think the lack of experience... I, I think that the teams that stayed up last year... So Dan mentioned Villa. Villa is a great example. You learn how to stay up. Like, you learn how to win. I guess both the teams you support, they already know that. But you do learn how to win or you learn how to stay up. So I think just by process of all the other teams um, staying up, I've gone for West Brom. And here's my outside shout. Because I don't think you should ever go for a whole prediction and just literally just copy the odds. Yeah. So my outside shout, Harry, you won't be a fan of this. I'm going to go Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. Yeah, a massive outside shout. I think that Kelu Zaha. I know you're sold on this player that they've bought from QPR, which we we're briefly discussing um, before the show. This is what I think is going to happen. They've got the ninth, I think the tenth, top ten highest wage bill in the in the league, right? I think that the board will get annoyed. I think they'll sack your friend Roy, and I think. Basically, what happened to Watford will happen to them. They'll get the wrong manager in, and I think they'll go out. And I just 
there's just something about you know sometimes you get a feeling that isn't necessarily based on you know something um substantive i think that's what it that's what it is with me so i'm going west brom fulham and palace i can completely see dan's reasons for uh brighton um i literally had brighton crossed out palace but i'm going going those three well, I was going to ask Dan a question, but he's done a run around. <laughs> Give us your three while you're... I'm not, I'm not sure what's happened there. But, I mean, I wanted to just ask you on on the um, on the uh, the West Brom thing. Because I feel like a lot of people are kind of looking at West Brom and saying, you know, they're a bit of a yo-yo club. And that's the only reason that they, they're kind of predicting them to go down. But, I mean, Slavon Bilic is, in my opinion, a, a very good manager. I still think, though, that... They need strengthening. Mm. Um, is that what you've based that on? It isn't on the manager, is it? It's on the squad. No, no, absolutely not. It's not on the manager. Um, it's on exactly the point you've made about being a yo-yo club. Do I want to join a club that... So so if you're a player who... A club like uh, a bottom, say, five, six, seven club will want to purchase, do you go for a yo-yo club that could potentially... Um, go down or do you actually look at Brighton and go do you know what they could go down but they've shown some stability in the last few years so I'll go there it's absolutely not based on the manager I do think that they're and I think we're all guilty of this and and if a football fan says they're not then they're lying I think when they when looking at relegation every football fan looks at the three teams that have gone up and assesses them first yeah I think it's just a psychological thing that we all do and if you don't do it you're lying like we all do it right um, so that's what I essentially did, and then I couldn't, I couldn't get a reason as to why they came out of my um, bottom three. So, um, but I'd love to be wrong because I like him as a manager. I like him as a pundit. You know, I liked him as a player. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, a um, question I was going to put to both of you as well before I sort of reveal my bottom mm. three, and and, and I don't want to. I'm not going to give away my complete bottom three, but I've picked Fulham as well, and mm. that's what prompted me to think about this question. You know, we all talk about the fact that, and, and DeLuca mentioned it, that when Fulham came up, they didn't exactly, you know, they didn't, you know, obviously they went to the playoff final. It was an automatic promotion, et cetera, et cetera. I think everyone that was watching that playoff final wanted Brentford to win <laughs> and wanted Brentford to win, um, given the way yeah. they had sort of, you know, they had sort of carried themselves throughout the season. And you guys, like DeLuca said, and, and I guess you're kind of of the same opinion that, you know, Fulham maybe don't have what it takes, but the fact that they were so consistent in the championship and that they did hang in there in sort of around that second, third position, is that a sign that under Scott Parker, they're a little bit more, you know, without playing this amazing football, they're a little bit more, I guess, what's the word? They get over the line a little bit more. They've got a little bit more grit, a little bit more determination, a little bit more streetwise. Would you say that's fair? I think, it's fair when you're playing Middlesbrough. <laughs> it's a whole different story when you're playing some of the Premier League teams. I'll let DDL answer because he's just come back. But the question essentially was, are we, are we um, essentially, you know, glossing over Fulham's um, stability in the last sort of quarter of the season and what got them in the Premier League? I'm not sure. I, it's hard to say how stable they were because they, it was a three-horse race they ended up fourth. Um, although a lot of that was down to Brentford putting in an extraordinary run of ten mm. wins in a row up until up until um, the last couple of games where they choked a little bit, um, you know I think they've they've been they've been good at Championship level, but 
if you look at the team, you know, every year there's a team who comes up and you write off completely for a ball's kick. Okay, this year that was Sheffield United for everyone and they proved us wrong. So, you know, there's potential to do that. But if you look at the teams who have proved us wrong over the years, um, and one of them even went down, like Blackpool, you know, but, you know, these teams, they either play brilliant, exciting football and they get a load of points before Christmas and hang on for dear life, or they're really astute defensively. I don't think Fulham are either of those things. I think they play nice football, but it's not it's not breathtaking. It's not you know, Do you know what it is with Fulham is that they don't fit in either of the two extremes. Exactly, so I think yeah. Brent, I think Brentford would have come up and gone down because they would have put their philosophy or whatever you want to call it above what they needed to do. I well, think not. other teams, like a Bolton, like yeah, like a Bolton, like a Blackburn, they've stayed they've stayed up in previous seasons because they couldn't care less what people Burnley couldn't care less what they people, <clears throat> people think yeah. about them. And they play a certain way and they do get results. We don't like it, but they get results. Yeah. And I think, uh, don't know if you agree, Dan, but Fulham are in that mid-ground where they almost can't do either that well. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, and it, almost, you're, you're saying, you know, you've got to find three worse teams than Fulham. Yeah. That, that's what a task is. It's not like, you know, you look at some teams, they come up and you think, well, they're pretty good. With Fulham, you're automatically scrambling around trying to find three worse teams. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a struggle. A real struggle. Dan, Dan, when you did it, did you instantly look at the three teams that went up uh, and see whether they're fit for relegation? Yeah, that's or not? the starting point. So I don't know why everyone just everyone does it. Well, it's natural though, isn't it? Because you're looking at teams <laughs> that haven't been performing at Premier League level, so naturally you're going to look at those first. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing it that way. Um, my bottom three, as I've said already, I included Fulham. Um, mm. I've included Brighton in there. I mm. feel like with Brighton. <sighs> I feel like towards the, I feel like they, they've been kind of flirting with relegation for a while now, and you know you get certain games, for example, that their game against Arsenal after Project Restart, where they pull out a result out of the bag, and it seems to gloss over the fact that they had been shit for the last three months before that, and that they were shit after that as well, and it just they seem to always find a way to get that result, that lucky result against the big side, that scalp almost, that kind of propels them into safety. And I feel like they've gotten away with it for a while now. And when I look at Graham Potter's side, I think that they, as you were saying, Alavi, I, I love to see teams play good football, but I think that Brighton are in danger of trying to evolve too quickly under Graham Potter and that could be their downfall in terms of their style. So Yeah, they lose it. When, when they play at the back, they lose it more than any other team in that bottom 10, don't they? Yeah, so I, I do <laughs> worry, I worry about Brighton. And my third team, although I really admire Slavon Bilic and I really like him mm. as a manager, I've put West Brom. And I've put West Brom because I looked at their squad and I just don't see the quality there anywhere, in fact, in that side to keep them up. I feel like they're just a a mixture of sort of former Premier League journeymen, sort of uh, mixed with a few decent young talents, but are they going to be uh, enough? Are they going to have enough to stay up? I, I highly doubt that. Let's take a quick look at some of you guys's, um, you guys's bottom threes as well in the live chat. Uh, Omar, he says Brighton, Villa and Fulham. Villa. Uh, Jay says Fulham, West Brom and Villa. So a couple uh, citing Villa. Mike says Villa, West Brom, Fulham. Uh, Craig says Fulham, West Ham, Southampton. Southampton. Um, what else have we got? You Jamie. Want get, you, want get, you want to get a pound on that prediction, whoever that was. What's no. that one, sorry? Uh, Fulham, West Ham, Southampton. Yeah, it's definitely worth a shout. 
Um, what else have we got? Stelios says, I agree with Alavi. Fulham, Albion and Palace to go down. Hey. Jamie says, my bottom three, Villa, Fulham and Brighton. Um, a couple of people questioning that Southampton shout in the live comments as well. But it is a big shout. It's a bold shout, but you can never rule it out. Me personally, I think that whilst Ralph Hasenhutl is in charge of Southampton, there's no danger of them going down. Do, do you know who are the fourth? Do you know who are the four favourites to go down? I looked no. it up. Go on. So the four, the four favourites to go down are West. So they can't separate um, the seventeenth and sixteenth. West Brom, Fulham. No, no. West Brom, Fulham, Newcastle, and Villa at the moment. Newcastle's it's weird, weird isn't it? I think. Yeah, I agree. Let me ask you that, Harry, about this luck thing, right? Is that luck? Because I use this analogy in boxing. So with Didion White, I thought he'd lose because he kept getting lucky, right? Like there was a couple of decisions that I didn't think should have gone his way and he pulls something out of the bag and this and that and the other. With Brighton, what you say about lucky, they're riding the luck, riding the luck. Are they riding the luck? Or actually, do you then after a while just have to give them credit and be like, do you know what? You've stayed in the league for X amount of seasons on a low budget. Like, it, how much is riding your... Do you see what I mean? Like, I yeah, use this analogy a lot in boxing, so I agree with what you're saying, but sometimes I look back, when I use it in football, I don't think it always quite works. It's both, isn't it? It's both. You know, they're, they're doing... They rely on having that luck. And, it, you know, it's, it's calculated. But the reason why hmm. I picked Bournemouth last year and, you know, the reason why a team like... There are some teams who float around the bottom for a few seasons in a row, which is why the Crystal Palace suggestion isn't that outlandish. No. They float around for so long, and then you look at some of their better players, and you think, have they got the stomach to, to do it all over again? Or will they leave? Yeah. And, 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 and then if they stay, is that worse? And that, that's the situation with Brighton going into, uh, with Bournemouth going into last season for me. It was the same sort of players getting older and the stomach to, to keep dragging, to keep dragging the performances out. And there are other teams, you know, they've had a bad season and they're down there. You know, they'll probably, they'll probably pull away next year and, it, you know, it was just a one-off. You know, I remember when Leeds went down, there was like two or three seasons down there. When Villa went down the first time, which was extraordinary, really, the size of the club, but it was two or three seasons just getting away with it. And I think Brighton are in, are in that sort of place where, hmm. you know, are they're we... sucked a bit closer than they, would have, than they would have liked. It's not like West Brom when they were finishing 10th and 11th or Newcastle where... They're having scares, but they're getting away comfortably. I think with Brighton, it's been too close for the last three seasons, and it's got it. It's got to run out eventually, hasn't it? Yeah, I think there's there's so many variables in football that there's got to be an element of luck somewhere. And I feel like with Brighton, what they quite often do is they take scalps off of big sides that they really have no right to beat, yet they can't seem to produce consistently against the sides that they should um, they should be beating. And I feel like that shows that you've got a consistency issue because you're able to raise your game uh, in, at certain points, but you're not able to do that throughout the course of a season. I mean, are we, uh, just before we move on from the relegation talk, are we completely dismissing the point that actually, probably at least for the first half of the season, there's likely to be no crowds in stadiums? Are the likes of Leeds, for example, going to suffer from that? Are, you know, because we, we're talking about Leeds and for me, I've done a lot of work on Leeds this year. I've been covering them really, really closely for work. And one of the things that stood out to me is how much that club is loved by its supporters. I would say it's an extraordinary club in that sense. Um, so, I mean, Dan, you're the only one that put Leeds in your bottom three. Did you factor that in, the fact yeah. that they'll be playing at an empty Ellen Road? 
Yeah, absolutely I did. And like I said that I'd be a bit a bit of an anti-climax and, and all that sort of stuff. Imagine being the size of the club you are and feeling you belong in the Premier League and having that home support and then you eventually get promoted after 16 years and no one's there for the first couple of months. And then, you know, when you are there, you can't cheer and it's, it's quarter four. And you've only got to look at Sheffield United's form after the lockdown to see the difference that it made. The, the, the clubs who, with those, you know, really boisterous, that really boisterous home support that take scalps, like you mentioned, like Brighton scalps, they come at home. Yeah. It's just the way it is. So, you know, you shit teams very rarely go away and do jobs on, do jobs on teams, do they? And, you know, that, that crowd is a factor. So, you know, Leeds will, Leeds will lose early points in the season that they would have won otherwise. And, and over the course of 38 games, that adds up. So that's absolutely been factored in. Um, cool. Cool. Um, let's move on to the top four predictions. Obviously, we're going to be doing the relegation, which we've we've just finished covering. We're going to touch on the top four and we're going to each be given our surprise package prediction of the season and our surprise flop. So, Alavi, let's come to you for your top four. Let's have them in order, um, starting with your Premier League champions for the 2020-21 campaign. Uh, so the third season running. So he'd been right once, wrong last season. But this third season, I'm going to go City. Um, but somehow in my head they're still the best team in the league and it makes no sense but I just think they can pull out a couple of uh, more signings I think Phil Foden I was going to say could, could shine but he's done more than that in the last um, <laughs> couple, couple of days <laughs> he's put plenty of balls in the back of the net um, and I think Bernardo Silva could regain some form uh, I think they've got the most complete player in the Premier League. Obviously, it's between them and Liverpool. I'll be very surprised if anyone doesn't go with Liverpool. I just feel that Liverpool's reliance on the imperious and the colossal Van, um, Virgil van Dijk is just more than City have on any other player. And if they lose him, they haven't got much cover or cover that I would deem as uh, robust as someone like um, Virgil van Dijk. So... I just, you know, I, I know he hasn't done well in the Champions League. I just feel that Pep, over the course of the season, um, can help City win the league again. We don't. I know Messi looks like he's staying, but if if he did go to the Premier League somehow, you would think it's going to be to to City. Um, so therefore, I've got Liverpool naturally in second. Um, I think if anyone doesn't have those two in the top two, then well, they could be right, obviously. But I think yeah, it would be. It would be a mad, mad prediction and one you'd have to give great credit for if they did get it right. Um, then I did rule Arsenal, I have to say, so it was then between Newcastle, Spurs... Sorry, Newcastle? Um, I was going to say, the takeover yeah, yeah, hasn't sorry. happened, you know. No, no, no. <laughs> um, it's uh, Man United, Spurs and Chelsea. I know that the bookies have it as Chelsea and um, Man United. I'm actually going to go United and Spurs. I feel that Chelsea will miss out. I feel that despite them making three ridiculous signings for 200 million, I don't see how they're going to balance that with the young players that Frank Lampard did so well to to bring through. Um, if Man United can sign Sancho and the, the Madrid left back um, with the two, two midfield that they've got, if they combine like they did towards the end of last season, um, then I can see United pipping Chelsea. And the reason I've put... Je <laughs> Bruce, I've put Spurs and Jose Mourinho is very simply, I, for me, he is still Jose Mourinho. And 
I just cannot see him managing a side for a full season that doesn't get in the top four. And I might just be being swayed by this documentary, but I'm going City, Liverpool, Man United, and Spurs as my top four. In that Interesting. Order. Interesting. Yeah. I think I think the documentary is certainly having a, an impact on, <laughs> yeah. your, on your opinion of Jose Mourinho. I've, I've, I've got those glasses with like the string round. <laughs> I've uh, renamed it the Jose Mourinho show because it's literally about him, isn't it? It's nothing else. It's, it's, yeah, it's really good. Else. We got a really good insight of the Pochettino, you know, sacking. Like, yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah. You do <laughs> wonder. You do well. wonder what kind of content Amazon had before Pochettino was sacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'd like to see like I'd like to see the outtake. What yeah. he would have looked like because um, it's been I a mean, great insight to have a you know, great insight to have a, a big club as to what goes on and you know, yeah. the day in the life of a footballer, footballer is you know, it's more than just going out to training. You watch Jose Mourinho turn up with all his charisma and you just wonder if he wasn't there, what kind of show they would have had. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> it would have been so dead and dull with uh, Maurizio Pochettino. And I, I don't want to digress because I'm going to come to you, Deluca, just a second. I know you guys haven't seen the, the latest three episodes that have come out just yet, but there is a, a scene with Danny Rose. You may have mm, seen, seen videos have seen of this floating scene. around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, watch that. <clears throat> and when you have watched that, you will see that Jose Mourinho, the way he acts in that situation is completely for the cameras because I am certain that the Jose Mourinho we've watched for years and years and years would have reacted to what Danny Rose did in a completely different way. So it, let me know what you think once you've seen that. Um, it is an interesting one. I don't know if I can watch another Harry Kane team talk. <laughs> yeah, well, he gets injured in the next in the next Thank round fuck. of episodes, so there's not much of him. Um, <laughs> Seen him dribbling like, out of his mouth. That's about it. Um, De Luca, let's have it. Your but you do four. kind of. It does kind of. You know, you it's like, at, he's like David Brent, isn't it? You look at the team Tottenham have had over the last five years and the near misses, and you watch some of them team talks, and, and they do start to make sense. Yeah. <laughs> Did you reckon he gave it before the Champions someone, League final? Someone give us something, something to hang on to. And it's just like score goals, boys. Fuck it. <laughs> oh, Luca, let's uh, let let's have your top four. Let's have your uh, top four and why. I think I think Tottenham win the league. Harry Kane giving those motivational speeches. I just can't look beyond Tottenham. Oh, um, who do I think? Harry so um, here we go. I think I think Manchester City will win the league. Um, not because, as you know, I, I don't like their manager. Um, I still think they've got better players and I think they've, they've spent a lot of money to fix their obvious gaps. Um, so it's going to be very, very hard for them not to win the league. Um, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say uh, Man City will win the league. Um, I think Manchester United will finish in the top four. I kind of, I really, really believe in Jose Mourinho's ability to, to get points that he's got no right to get. And I think Tottenham's last eight games when he just had a few weeks working with Tottenham showed what he's capable of, but I still don't think the players are good enough. So I don't think Tottenham are going to are going to have enough to get in the top four, even with Jose Mourinho and his magic wand. So I've discounted Tottenham. Um, Liverpool will, will get in the top four. Um, and just one for my friends here. I'm, I'm really close. I'm really close to saying I think Arsenal are going to do it. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to say that yet, but I'm going to tell you why... why I've been going through the mill for the last hour. Arsenal have, they have a bit of momentum. Mm. There hasn't been a long summer to lose that momentum. Everyone's feeling good, whereas in the last summer, 
everyone at the club was feeling bad, with the exception of the fans who got excited about mediocre signings. But this year, there's been a couple of sensible signings in there. Um, and I think they can carry that momentum on and get off to a good start in the season. Um, and like I said about Sheffield United, you know, Arsenal's upturning form coincides with other clubs having no fans in the ground. And Arsenal are used to that. And I think they'll be able to ride that wave for uh, a little bit longer. So was that whole speech was just for that joke, wasn't it? It's how you tell them. So Delivery. I, say, I am going to say um, Manchester City are going to win the league. Um, I think Manchester United um, are going to finish second. I think yeah. my surprise package this season, my surprise package this season is going to be Liverpool. Um, and that's because I don't think Liverpool are going to do as well as everyone thinks. So I'm going to go for a reverse surprise as opposed to um, as opposed to um, uh, you know picking a team to come out of doldrums. I think Liverpool are going to finish third or below, um, and I think they're going to they're going to finish near what they did before. And I think um, I think Chelsea just pick Arsenal to fourth place. Um, and the only reason I went for Chelsea above Arsenal at the end. Is because I still think Arsenal are in that place where there's just not quite enough goals from midfield, um, and I think there will be there will be teams who you know who will find ways to keep Aubameyang quiet, and that's literally the only reason. Um, so I think Arsenal will finish fifth, and I think Tottenham will finish sixth or or possibly below. Right. So and your your top four is yeah. Manchester City, Manchester United, Liverpool, and then Chelsea. Yeah. So Liverpool are you're not are not your surprise package, they're your surprise flop, I think yeah. is uh yeah, so yeah, Liverpool yeah, yeah. are your yeah. surprise my, failure. Yeah, they're my surprise flop. I think Timo Werner will be my player who flops. I just I just I don't think he's gonna do as well as, as all the hype. But I just think Liverpool are gonna Liverpool are gonna mm. surprise people this year in a in a reverse sort of way. Cool. All right, let's uh let's go on to my top four. I'm really interested to hear sort of that you guys both went for Manchester City as as the champions. I I'm, I've really been struggling to come to a decision on this. I do think that Manchester City are have the best squad in the Premier League. I, I've always said that. I think yeah. they play the best football. I think City at their best are better than Liverpool at their yeah, best. Yeah, that's that what I base sense. it on. Yeah, that's what I've always based it and, on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but in terms of, I mean, Deluca said that City have, have, have spent money to, to rectify their problems. I don't really think they have rectified their problems yet. Um in terms of this transfer window, I think that there's obviously there's still time and I think that they probably will make some moves in the transfer market. But I'm I'm going to go with City just because I, I think that the likes of De Bruyne and some of the other players they got around there, I really rate Raheem Sterling. I know he gets a lot of heat and he splits opinion, but I highly rate Raheem Sterling. Um, I'll have you mentioned Phil Foden, who I think is just another excellent player coming through the ranks and you're going to see more of him this season I'm sure of that um you know Bernardo Silva went off the boil a little bit last season but we know he's got it we know he's got the capability I just think there's so many good players in that side and I think that City are one one central defender away from being formidable again if I'm Eric Laporte stays fit and they bring in someone to slot in alongside him who's you know of a similar level then I think yeah, I'm not. I'm not 100 sure about Nathan Ake. I, I mean, I look at him and I think, yeah, he's all right. But is he? He's class, man. Is he the level of look? Look at Man City. Look at Liverpool. You look at Van Dyke and you think Van Dyke is that good that he can make whoever's next to him look good. But Van Dyke is the comparison with Laporte. So yeah, yeah but Laporte is not as good as Van Dyke, though. That's no, the I point I was going to make. But 
the rest of the midfield and the strike force are better than Liverpool's midfield or strike yeah, force. So. Yeah, that I agree with. I just think that Liv- uh, that City still need a top-class centre-back. Uh, centre I know they've got Ake in, but I'm not convinced that he's the answer mm. to that. He's an upgrade on some of the shit they've got on Stones, on Otamendi, um, on playing Fernandinho at centre-back, which was something that Pep resorted to last season. Yeah, so, painful, absolutely shameful. For, so for that... Um, I think they're still a little bit short of being a complete side, but I still think that they're probably going to be the champions again. So I'm going to go with with Man City. Second, I go with Liverpool. I I still think that despite what we've been saying about Liverpool and and despite the fact that, you know, maybe they're going to find it impossible to hit that level for a third season consecutively, I I still think that they're better than anybody else at this moment in time. And I I don't know how those Chelsea signings are going to fit in, whether they're going to propel Chelsea up to that level or not. Um, That remains to be seen. But at this moment in time, as we're recording this on the 8th of September, before the season started, I still think Liverpool will at least be the second best team in the division. Um, Third, I'm going with with, uh, Manchester United. Um, I do expect them to do some more significant business before this window closes. Obviously, Donny van der Beek's come in. Great player. Only adds to a a fantastic midfield that they already have. Um, Maybe you could argue that they need need a a top-class centre-half, I think, and that's why I can't put them any higher than third. But in terms of what they've got and the fact that this is what going to be Oli's... I know it's going to be his... He's had one and a half seasons. It's going to be what his uh, second full season... (coughs) I think based on that, you you got to say they're settled, and they're probably going to going to achieve third place. And in fourth, I've gone with Chelsea, and I've gone with Chelsea because I just think that even though I, I don't particularly rate Frank Lampard as a manager, I still think he's got a long, long way to go. I think they benefited massively last season from the fact that Arsenal were terrible, had to sack a manager. Tottenham were terrible, had to sack a manager. I think that really worked in in uh, Chelsea's favour. But I think on paper, I'd still say that they have probably the best squad of the rest. And so for me, they come in at fourth. I've gone Arsenal fifth um, because I've been really impressed by what I've seen from from Mikel Arteta. Uh, and, I've, you know, I still think that Arsenal have uh, some really good players in and around the squad. And I've gone Spurs sixth because as much as, you know, this documentary's pulled the wool over everybody's eyes and made them think that, Jose Mourinho is the best again. I still don't think that that squad at this moment in time is good enough. I don't think Hoiberg changes your fortunes. Um, you know, and I just, I look at Spurs' business, Doherty as well. They're good signings, but are they enough to propel them up to that next level? I just Spurs, can't see it. Spurs post-lockdown, how many league games did they lose? One? Oh, one. But It's yeah. not bad form, is it? It's, it's not bad Mouse form, trophy. but... There was a, a Mike, Mike Oliver special as well, it was. <laughs> it's not bad form, but is it, what, the point I'm trying to make is uh, put this to this is not because it's Spurs. You guys will know that I've said for years that I don't think Mourinho is at that level anymore. I don't think he's operating in that top level. And I feel he's just below that. Add to that that I don't think the signing Spurs have made so far, and they might go on to do more and, and change my view. But I don't think those signings are so game changing that they will be the difference between you finishing sixth and fourth I just don't see it I think the issue is that there's certain clubs in the league that well probably only Man United and Liverpool where players will go from other countries regardless of whether they qualify for the Champions League 
to those two teams because of the stature of the two teams. Possibly even City because of what they play. When Spurs and Arsenal aren't in the Champions League, certain players just won't go there. And that is just like Paul Pogba went to Man United when they weren't in the Champions League, signed for 100 million. So I know what you mean about it. It is money, yeah, it's money. It is, but I do also think that certain clubs like Man United, Man City, and Chelsea, and can, as well as, well, not Chelsea, but some players have always just said, I've always wanted to play for Man United, I've always wanted to play for Liverpool. They've grown up um, supporting those teams. There's a lot of truth in, in what you say, but I think it's a slightly different reason. And Spurs and Arsenal, whether whether we like it or not, are in a very similar stature of club at the minute when compared mm. to compared to some of the others. And I think you know if Daniel Levy brings in a, a, a big name to the room at the negotiating table, and he says, "I'm going to sign you," and then I'm going to sign two or three other big players around you, the guy's going to say, "You ain't fooling me, sunshine. You ain't fucking buying anyone else." And it's basically me carrying this sack of shit. Um, and Arsenal's the same, I guess. Where you know Man United could convince Paul Pogba that they're they're at the start of a new project. Michael Arteta's Michael sounds better. I like that. Um, Michael yeah. Arteta has got um has got that aura about him where he could probably convince a player that we're going in the right direction. But even so, it's not the same It's not the same draw as the other sides and, and, and Tottenham certainly isn't. So I think there's that as well, the convincing that it's part of a bigger project and that more players are going to come to join and there's, and there's, and there's an end goal where I think, you know, Arsenal and Tottenham have, have failed to improve the squad for so many seasons in a row that it's a much tougher sell to a player, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Agreed. Right, let's uh, let's quickly go around and get your surprise package of the season. So in terms of the teams now that you expect to overachieve, um, let's have those. Uh, Alavi, who, who are you? Should I do, should I do the letdown as well? Because it will be should I do yeah. both together. Yeah, yeah, okay. ahead, so yeah. this is the reason I accidentally said Newcastle earlier. So my surprise is Newcastle. I based it on the fact that when I looked at the odds, they were joint third favourites to go down. Um, so I guess my surprise is that not only do I not think they'll go down, I actually think they'll possibly finish in the top 10. I think despite the Saudi offer going wrong and then enduring 13 years of, you know, uh, Mike Ashley. And, you know, once they've gone this five, six weeks without Dubravka, as soon as he's back, if they're able to sign your Callum Wilsons, your Chris Woods, um, they've already signed... Um, they've got Wilson. Jamal Lewis. They've got, they've Wilson. got Wilson now. They've got Fraser. <laughs> So if they've got, yeah, true, they've got Fraser now. Um, if they've got um, Jamal Lewis as well at left back, which they have from Norwich, I believe. Um, Rob Holding on loan? Mm-hmm. Possibly. Possibly. I think, possibly. I think with that one, I think we're waiting to see um, who's fit and who's not for Arsenal because I think that was very close to happening last week. And it seems as though Arsenal have just put a pause on that because they're not sure about the fitness uh, levels okay. of, of some but of the not, others. But he's going. not a bad player for Newcastle standard, is no, he? Yeah, and you add that to the, the Maverick sort of <laughs> St. Maximin and, and, and Almiron. Another overhyped flop. You reckon? I think yeah, St. Maximin is brilliant. It's one of these every year at Arsenal, isn't it? There's an Arsenal player under 19. Oh, oh sorry, he's talking about man. holding. No, no, he's he's obsessed, yeah. you see. Yeah, he's going to be Bobby Moore. And now he I think St. Maximin is just, when he turns it on, he's on another level. So... I'm basing my surprise on, you know, the fact that the bookies have got them third favourites to go down. I think we'll finish in the top 10. I think the letdown, on the other hand, will be Leicester. Um, they won four out of the last Shout. 17. Um, lack of depth. Um, obviously, no no club can preempt every eventuality. But with, you know, you saw a big blow, Pereira's, and you think if that player of that position can be such a big blow 
it's actually quite worrying. They've let Chilwell go as well, haven't they? Um, what happens when Jamie Vardy gets injured? You know, uh, look, I rate Jamie Vardy highly as people that listen to the podcast know, but what happens then if he gets injured? You know, I know they're linked to the um, the Celtic forward as well, but I just can't, I can't see a club that are looking to replace, you know, defenders like Chilwell with, you know, youngsters like um, Luke Thomas coming through as a team that... And it goes back to Dan's point about momentum after the lockdown, because this is a really unusual situation where we're only got yeah. a few weeks. Like, I forgot that it was the Premier League this season, this week, genuinely. Like, it just came back so around so quickly. So it is almost like having a, an international break that's a little bit longer. And if you have lost four out of the last 17, then, you know, that, so I think Leicester could... I, I, where did they finish last season? Fifth, I think? Yeah. From memory? Yeah. yeah. So... Put it this way, I can't see them finishing in the top seven. Yeah, I think that's that's they're they're two really, really good shouts. Just to add to the Newcastle point, I think you know, when you think about sort of everything that's gone on this summer, they looked as though the takeover was gonna happen. Uh people were sort of jumping for joy, that's fallen apart. But to Newcastle's credit, they've still gone out and done some decent business. And I think that many people feared that when the takeover didn't happen, that they were going to get back into this Mike Ashley slump and they weren't going to sign anyone and, and they would again be battling relegation. But the addition of Ryan Fraser on a free, Callum Wilson, Jamal Lewis is coming. I think they've signed Jeff Hendrick from Burnley as well. Um, he's a decent midfield player, Steve Bruce type of player, I would say. I, I don't expect to see Newcastle necessarily pushing on for the European places, but I think they'll finish uh, in a solid mid-table position um i certainly think that's possible and leicester for me is an excellent shout with a flop uh, of the season we always talk about or well, i always moan about brendan rogers i think he's highly overrated um and i think he's coming to that point where uh his side are are, are going to fall apart and uh it won't be long before we start hearing about brendan rogers potentially moving on again um de luca let's have um your uh surprise package so you told us your surprise flop which is liverpool you think yeah and just to put that in context like mm -hmm. liverpool have set a high bar so you know it's a flop it's a flop based on their standards you know i think liverpool will will lose a few games they'll lose four or five games um at least and, and they'll be they'll be rattling around third place as opposed to as opposed to first so that's that's the flop for liverpool um to upset to upset our friend earlier on who had who had them in the predictions to go down. I think Southampton are going to be the surprise package this season. I think Southampton are going to finish in the Southampton are going to be you know in and around where you know where Wolves were last season, mixing it up for you know sixth, seventh, eighth place. Um, I think they're going to have a really good year. I think they've got goals in the side. They're playing progressive football. Um, they've got a few gaps in, at, at the back line, but you know it, it's not dreadful by any means, and they've got a reasonable goalkeeper, but. I think when you when you see a team lose a game of football nine nil um, at home in front of their own fans, and they can rally around and turn that position around comfortably, you see a bit of character in that squad as well. And I, I think Southampton are going to have a really good season, so they'll be the surprise packages. My tip for a, a surprise package in a you know certainly a top ten finish in the end, but mixing it around you know seventh, eighth, ninth place, maybe a little cup run as well. Yeah, good shout. Interesting to see uh, how they do. Um, my surprise package, and I know it. I, I had a bit of an issue picking this one because when I was thinking about surprise packages, I, I was I was kind of thinking, 
by using it by saying this team am i underselling them in the first place and and the team i'm going to pick is everton now everton you know they've been spending money for a little while now it's not new um you know there was a, that that season where they famously bought about four number 10s who all flopped horribly um you know they've always well in recent seasons anyway they've gone and spent uh, significant amounts of money but not really got that level of success that they've been after and i think that everton could push for the top seven, top six this season. And I look at some of the signings they're making at the moment. And the, and I, the reason I back them now is because I'm a huge fan of Carlo Ancelotti's. I think he came in in December, um, midway through last season, at the, around the same time, I think a day apart, actually, from Mikel Arteta. And he came in and he inherited a side that were vastly underperforming, turned it a little bit around, did Duncan Ferguson. But, you know, they were still way off where they needed to be. He's taken stock in the second half of the season. He's shown some really encouraging signs in a number of performances. I think back to their game against Liverpool at Goodison Park, where they turned in a really good, solid defensive display. And I think Carlo Ancelotti is someone you can trust. And therefore, we've seen Everton now give him the money to go out and bring in the players that he thinks can improve this side. And they've brought in Alan from Napoli, excellent central midfield player. Uh, James Rodriguez needs no introduction. But again, someone Ancelotti knows well, someone he's worked with in the past. And they've added this evening Abdoulaye Decore to that as well. So I really feel like Everton are a side who, uh, you know, can now finally push on and compete for a top seven, top six spot. And and they, they, they're getting the right players in, but they've also, most importantly, got the right man at the helm. And the fact that he's been able to attract somebody like James Rodriguez, for me, shows you that Everton are serious players now. Everton are really, really serious players. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, sort of what they, uh, what they bring to the table this season. In terms of um, my flop of the season... Um, I didn't. I wasn't going to go with Leicester, but Alavi's convinced me of Leicester. That's a really, really good hey. shot. But I'm not going to pick them for the sake of the fact that I didn't pick them in the first place. I'm going to go with Burnley. Um, you know, Burnley, they're always sort of around mid-table. You never really worry about them going down. Very strong side in terms of the physicality that they bring to Hold the on, table. Hold on, didn't DDL have them to go down like three seasons in a row? I think I, I think I had them in one of them, and they didn't. But... <laughs> They had them one season to go down. I think they finished about I don't know third. I feel I feel like Champions League. I feel like with Burnley, you look at them and you you, all the good things about them are that they're determined, that they're organised, and and all of that. I had somebody telling me the other day that they actually play good football, and I dismissed that straight away. Nonsense! Nonsense! But who said that? Someone that was talking about Burnley, I can't remember exactly where. But did he have a gravelly voice? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I feel like now with with, and I know I used it as a point to sort of beat Brighton with. But I think Brighton are trying to play a more progressive style under Graham Potter. I think that West Brom under Slaven Bilic are going to play a better brand of football. I feel like, um, you know, Leeds under Marcelo Bielsa, you know, you're going to get a decent level of football Southampton another side who are very progressive I feel like there's gonna come a point and it may not be this season maybe it'll be the next or the season after that but there will be a season where Sean Dyche's caveman football gets left behind and with an increasing number of teams 
looking to improve the way they play and looking to progress their games, I feel like this could be that year uh, where Burnley do fall behind what and does struggle. A, what, does a, what does a Burnley flop look like, though? A Burnley flop, to me, looks like just avoids relegation. Like because like Yeah, because... Yeah, because they've been finishing near enough mid-table. So, you know, you look at Put them it this way, none of the listeners really had them in the top bottom three, did yeah. they? So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that says it all. Exactly. And interestingly, actually, nobody's spoken about West Ham United. Which someone, are... someone did shout them as a relegation. But, I mean, from us three, no one's mentioned them, and they're normally a car crash. Yeah, I did think about it. <laughs> I, I, I was convinced at one point this season they were going to go down. Um, yeah. I think we were hoping rather than... Yeah, I was really... But you looked at the... They had a run of fixtures towards the end of the season that were hideous and they just managed to pull out a couple of home wins and and regrettably got out of trouble, which was a shame for everyone. Yeah, they did well. Interesting stuff. Right. Um, That brings us to the end of this week's edition of The Social Club. Thank you to every single one of you uh, for joining us live. Over 150 of you watching us live at the minute. If you haven't smashed the like button please do so. And before we uh, lock off, just going to give you a brief reminder of how you can become a patron of the show. If you uh, head over to patreon.com forward slash the Chronicles of Aguna, you can sign up for £3 per month and you will receive access to exclusive content. Priority when calling in on the fans show. Priority when submitting questions for our experts. Um, And we're due to get Adrian Clark back on uh, in the next week or so. Of course, that show um, went really, really well. Thank you. Yeah, to it was really good, man. Really Cheers, good. man. And thank you to everyone that tuned in because there was over 25,000 views on YouTube alone on that one. Uh, so a big cheers to, to everyone who, who tuned in for that. And also, once you've been a member for three months, you will get a gift from us. Um, so uh, yeah, that will be on its way to you in the post as well. So that's how you become a patron. Smash the like button if you haven't already. Subscribe if you haven't already. Big thank you to our sponsors, TV Sports Blog. And we'll be back with another show. We'll be back next week looking at the first round of Premier League fixtures. So until then, take care, stay safe and uh, have a good week. <laughs>